So here we are in Daniel. We've been on this series and we're wrapping it up. We're going to take two chapters today. And what we're going to do with why the two chapters is Daniel chapter 11 begins to have a little bit of a replay of what we've talked about. But let me tell you what the subject is today. The subject is the end and your salvation. The end and your salvation. Um, do you, are you confident in your salvation? Do you know how to be saved? Do you know, can you lose your salvation? Are you going to make it to the end? I don't know if you've asked that question or not. Then the next question is, what's going to happen to your family and friends who don't know Jesus? And what is your responsibility to that? That's what we're going to be talking about today in Daniel chapter 11 and chapter 12. The first part of Daniel chapter 11, as I said, though, was, was really talking about something that we, we had talked about before in an earlier vision that he had. And it was about after um, Alexander the Great, who is who it was, he died and he gave the kingdom over or the kingdom was turned over to uh, four kings or four generals. And um, this, this scene takes place. Many people would think that, that Daniel chapter 11 was somehow written hundreds of years afterwards because it is the most accurate account, historical account of what took place, but yet it was prophetic, which means all the description took place before the actual events. These events took place over 365 years, and they were accounted for in this first part of Daniel chapter 11. It's actually amazing. But a lot of it had to do with Antiochus Epiphanes, if you remember that we were talking about him um, before. And so I didn't really want to go there. And how Antiochus Epiphanes was really uh, a foreshadow of who the Antichrist, who will be uh, around in the end times. The other interesting thing about um, the Antichrist, so the first part of, of uh, Daniel chapter 11, all the way up to verse 36, talks about these div- division of kingdoms and who's going to lead in this 365 years of history. Then when we get to verse 36, like many times, now it shifts to the Antichrist in the end times, which is still yet to come before us. So this is where you fit into the story. And who is this Antichrist? And in verse 36... It starts to talk about some qualities. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for it is decree as decree shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. Now, I'm going to only pick this one out just for a moment because some people would say, who is the Antichrist and where does he come from? So some would say that that. He didn't pay any attention to the gods of his father. So is he Jewish? And he comes from the uh, Jewish lineage, God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Is, was he a Jew? Then he says, or, or to the one beloved by women. In other words, he didn't love women. So some would say that he was a homosexual. You've heard that maybe, or maybe haven't heard that. But there's another interpretation to this scripture, which I, I think I'm leaning more towards this one. It says, So he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. And 
and who is the one beloved by women? We saw it in the video right there. Every young Jewish woman's dream was to be the mother of the Messiah. And I think that scripture talks about, so, so to, or to the one beloved by a woman, which the one who's beloved by women who wanted to be the carrier of the Messiah is re- really relating to Jesus Christ. He, he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers. He should have no attention to, to our father God. He could care less about God or to the one beloved by women. In other words, or has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So we know that he's like the antichrist. Everything, he wants to be the opposite of everything that Jesus is. Goes on to say that he's, he's horrendous. This war that will take place centralized in Israel. Please be focusing on Israel. If we're talking about the signs of the times, look at what's happening around those times because it's going to be focused there, but it will engulf the whole world at one point. Where are we in the timeline? I am not sure, but I do know that I think we should be very aware and alert and spiritually attuned because he says, the Bible says that even the elect could be deceived. Even the elect could be deceived. But we do know the end. It says, um, and he shall come to the end, the very last sentence in chapter 11, and he shall come to the end with none to help him, Right? So he gets stranded and his, he will be finished. We're going to go into uh, chapter 12 for, uh, to finish this book of Daniel up. And I'm going to kind of go line by line here for the first part, for the first paragraph. Um, the end just kind of like Daniel seals up this book until end times, until people are going to be aware of it. I feel like there's, there's a heightening awareness of what's going on. God's giving us revelation But let's read this together in Daniel chapter 12. At the time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. So we know that this Michael here is the archangel Michael, who has been, if you look at all historical accounts and biblical accounts, Michael has been charged with really the angel overseeing Israel. Still today. I can't believe he's been fighting and warring for thousands of years uh, for, uh, for these people. Uh, by the way, let me just, can I tell you, sometimes we talk about Jesus and Satan as if like they're somehow equal, but opposing powers, right? Not equal, but just opposing powers. Can I tell you what, the, the better analogy of those oppo- opposing powers would be Michael and Satan, Jesus is far above Satan. All Satan is is a fallen angel, powerful for, for no good, demonic evil, right? He hates God. He, wants, he hates humanity. His job is to kill, steal, destroy. But sometimes we talk about Satan and Jesus, and sometimes we begin to think like somehow maybe Satan is like up there with Jesus. He is not, <laughs> Um, no, a better analogy would be like Michael and Satan and, and the battles going on, right? We know this battle's going on in the heavenlies. All right, carrying on. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen. There was a nation till that time. So again, the time of trouble um, is going to be focused around Israel. The interesting thing about the timing of all of this, though, and how it relates to us today 
Um, Israel became a nation in 1948. Now, you, they didn't gain the old city of Jerusalem back until the Seven-Day War, I think was 1967. Somebody's in tune here. 1967. Yeah, the Seven-Day War. And, um, and so we can see these times of, of Israel becoming a nation. We see that um, there's something prophetically going on with Israel so keep her eye on there. But the focus of the initial turmoil is going to be focused on Israel. And it's going to be saying there's going to be torment in there. We know Israel, right, was, was demolished. How many times the temple was torn down. People were brought into captivity. It's not going to be good. If they, I think there's a reason the, the Lord told us to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I think the Lord wants us to keep praying for the people. Now, we know Jews. There's some Messianic Jews who know Christ, but many Jews still believe the Messiah is yet to come. They missed Jesus the first time around, and and their eyes were blinded to it. And, you know, that's why us, the Gentiles, got grafted in. We got brought into this story and our salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay. But at that time, your people should be delivered Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book of life. So there's something else interesting here. So people's names are written in the book of life. So we also know there's scriptures that says that people's names can be blotted out of the book of life. Now, this is we're going to get into a little bit of a topic that you might have a different opinion on. I'm going to do my best to give you two sides of it. But there's the once saved, always saved, and there's the per- people that would believe that um, you can lose your salvation. In other words, use a scripture saying, your name was written in the book of life, but it can be blotted out, taken out of the book of life. Well, first of all, there is a book. Whether it's physical or spiritual, we don't know, but there's a book, uh, the Lamb's book of life, and is your name written in there? So the question is, is your name written in there? And we know we come to salvation not by works, but by grace alone in our faith through Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus is central to everything that we do. He is our Savior. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. All right, this is, this is an important scripture because... This everlasting life and everlasting death or this eternal torment or eternal life, there is a little bit of a thought these days going around. It's called modified annihilationism, which basically means, oh, if you're bad and if you don't know Jesus, you're going to only have punishment for a little while, but God is just and you will get saved at some point. So you're only in hell for a bit. (laughs) I want to let you know, I don't see anywhere in scripture that gives evidence that you're only in hell for a bit. What I see is eternal torment or eternal life. Again, why is this important? I think sometimes we can kind of like, oh, it's okay, um, you know, they'll just, they'll do pay their penance. They'll just have their little time where they'll get things right. And it kind of like doesn't create any level of urgency for us to say, do you realize that people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they die, 
they will spend eternity in hell, eternal torment. I, I can't imagine that. And, and, you know, I've been starting to rack my head around this idea again. We've talked about it before, but this week as I'm thinking, I was like, does that spur me to do anything differently? So let me finish reading this, and then I'm going to go to this, uh, this idea of once saved, always saved. Can you lose your salvation? That type of thing. Because it's important because it's, it, it relates to um, our role today, our confidence today, one, in our relationship with Jesus, but also our role in seeing other people come to Christ. Here, here, here's where we go. So no, verse number three, verse three, chapter 12, verse three. And those who are wise, can you say wise? Shall shine like the brightness of the sky. Why? And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The why, I, I, that's my word I said in there. It's not in scripture, why? Why will you be bright as stars in the sky? Why would, why would you um, be forever somehow made special? Why is because you're wise enough and turned people to righteousness. You turned people's gaze and direction towards Jesus, right? Because none of us are righteous on our own, right? We, we cannot earn our way to heaven. We cannot be good enough for God's favor. God is too holy. That's why Jesus Christ had to pay the, the sacrifice, the penalty for us on the cross to take care of our sin to make us righteous before God, and that's how we have a relationship with God. And this is why it's so important that, that our loved ones and our family, our friends, our neighbors who don't know Christ can't just get through life and say they were a good person because there's nothing that we can do that's good enough to make us righteous enough before God. It's only through Jesus Christ. So... It, if here in this vision, let me finish this up. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And he's saying, okay, in the end, many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So back in the probably 50s, the run to and fro, everybody thought that was like, oh, this has to do with our travel and air travel. Planes were starting to, I don't know, when were planes? The 40s maybe? When would planes start coming in? Commercial travel. I don't know, I wasn't born. Anybody born that time? Nobody's telling me. All right. Um, but anyways, I, I wonder if there's, there's a couple ways you can look at that scripture. Many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. You can say it in this way, there will be a lot of people seeking and their knowledge of Christ, there will be this great end time revival. And we know there's going to be a great end time revival. We can put it that way. Many will be seeking, running to and fro, looking for answers. And now knowledge shall increase, which means the knowledge of Christ. Now, I'm, it doesn't say the knowledge of Christ, it says knowledge. That's one side. The other side, which I think is also very valid, is... Many shall run to and fro. In other words, they're going to be like frantic, caring about themselves, just trying to get through life. And knowledge shall increase. And their, their thirst for knowledge, which puffs up pride, will increase in the end times. 
Um, I'll tell you, with this, with technology moving so rapidly, talking about knowledge increasing, everything is about the race for AI, artificial intelligence, right? We have Facebook, who has now renamed themselves Meta. Part of it is because they need a rebranding uh, of all the bad publicity, but the other part is they are going to want to be the forerunners to this quest for this alternate, alternate universe that you can have a digital personality and live in a digital world and buy digital property and, and live in an unreal place. And actually, just, I just love the... I don't love it at all because I do think, by the way, I do think it's from the pit of hell. And by the way, it doesn't mean that we stay away from it. It means we need to redeem it. Some of you need to go in and figure out how, to, young generation, you need to figure out about AI and figure out these alternative universes. And some of you are going to have to be putting Jesus billboards in these alternative universes. All right? Some of you guys are going to have to go in there in your uh, avatar self and go share Jesus. Right? All right, yeah. See, this is the world. We can't hide away from this stuff. We, we can't just call it evil because it, it is evil because I do believe these, this digital age has nothing creative and life-giving in it. it. It takes, it takes, it takes. But I do believe that, that as Christ followers, we need to be engaged and we need to bring light and hope and rescue people from the darkness who are living in those digital platforms. All right. I kind of went off on this little digital age for a little bit. But especially you younger generation. Us older people are like, you go buy some digital land and you go make a little digital playhouse, you know. <laughs> um, or what's the other one? You can buy NTFs now, these digital pieces of art that people are, you know, paying big dollars for. Uh, I don't quite get it. But anyways, neither here nor there. So here's where we've got to go back to this idea of salvation, though. Because if you truly believe in the saving of the elect, there is a scripture that says, in God's foreknowledge, he elected you to be saved. But, um, but here's, the, here's the reality, is, is God's omnipresent, which means he sees the beginning from the end. He knows the decisions that you're going to make <clears throat> all the way to the end of your life. He sees your life already to the end. We don't. We see it linearly. He, he thinks out and sees things outside of time. But then if you go into the thinking of like, God only has picked and chose a few people to be saved. And by the way, those few people are going to be saved regardless because God's grace is so big on their life that they will just can't resist it and they'll come to salvation. It puts us in a position, if that's the thing you believe, it puts us in a position to say, you know what, there's no reason to share Jesus with anybody. Because God's going to do this, which he does, he does a saving. But let me just share a verse with you on that. It's in uh, the book of Romans. Let me see here. Romans chapter 10. Verse 14. How then will they call on him, meaning people will call on him, Jesus, 
in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching or sharing Jesus with them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? That's from Isaiah. That little scripture. I think it is anyway. Somebody can correct me later if it's not true, but I think it is. So, so here it is that, that the Apostle Paul is telling the Roman church that you need to go and share the good news, right? And, and how many people, when Jesus sent out his disciples, says, go two to two and share the good news. So, so this idea of that God's only chosen a few people and they're going to come to be saved regardless, I don't know if I buy that argument. So, so there's, there's two thoughts in this once saved, always saved. And a lot of them is you can either break, this is a little bit of history here, but break it down into Calvinistic thinking or Armenian thinking. And where you got those from is uh, Jacobus Arminius had this thinking, and I'll tell you what that thinking is. And then, uh, and then you have John Calvin who had another way of thinking. And, you know, they, they can create scriptural evidence for each one. With John Calvin was Martin Luther, and with uh, Jacobus Arminius was John Wesley, right? So you have so those two separating backgrounds. It's going to get to your practical uh, application here for a moment. Some, some of the young guys are like, I, I already went to history class this week. I don't need another history lesson. <laughs> this idea, though, of where your salvation is, and can you lose it, or do you have it forever, there's another scripture, though, that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So if we are secure in our salvation, why do we need to work it out with fear and trembling? Another argument for it. Now, some would say, though, when you come to Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells inside of you, and you become regenerated. There's a verse in Titus that talks about it, Titus 3, 4 through 7. I'm not going to share that with you, but if you're taking notes... Titus 3, 4 through 7. The argument for somebody who says, once you've come to Christ, there's no way you can lose it, is this. That they're saying, if you've been born again, how do you become unborn again? How do you become, if you, your spirit's been regenerated, how do you unravel that regeneration? I think the best way of looking at it is this. And, and, and I'm not going to tell you one way is right and one way is wrong, but I would say this. That there is something that, is, that should compel us to reach people who don't know Jesus. And I do believe that he has given us, the church, meaning the people of God, the responsibility to share Jesus with other people. And if we know that there is eternal um, judgment and punishment, and if we know there is eternal life to be had, how much would we want to say, um, we want to save our family and friends from eternal torment and eternity in hell. So the one evidence that I would say that, that would potentially say you could lose your salvation is this. And then I'll, I'll, final, I'll finalize with a thought, in my own opinion, um, and then you guys do your own research on this. But... The, the only scripture that we have to say that um, 
that we could lose our salvation, or if the person would maybe say, maybe they weren't really saved if they were to do it, is when you can blast the unpardonable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I have that scripture for you somewhere. Um, yes, Mark chapter 3, 28 through 30. Mark chapter 3, 28 through 30. The, the sin that this unpardonable is, is realizing when you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, so here's a great way of, of putting it this way, right? We come, to, we come to salvation. We become adopted as sons and daughters of God, right? We're sons and daughters. But in the physical, a son and daughter can choose to say, they'll never stop being the son and daughter of mom and dad. But the son and daughter might choose to say, Family, I'm rejecting you and I'm going my own way. It's possible, right? It's possible. I would say that works the same way with God. And I think that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. When you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit was deposited in you. I believe it's possible for you to, at some point in time, to say, you know what? I want to live my own way. I don't want to yield my spirit to God and his spirit any longer. I am rejecting you, God, and rejecting you, Holy Spirit, and I'm going to live my own life. I would say that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And I would say at that point in time, you no longer have Christ in you representing you before the Father. Does that make sense? So the question is, can you lose your salvation? And, and I would just say this. You never have to worry about losing your salvation if every day you wake up saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. you. You'll never have to worry about, oh, I slipped up here. I slipped, because guess what? We're human and we will slip up. But if you keep short accounts with Jesus, say, Jesus, every day I want to wake up living for you, you never have to worry about losing your salvation. On the other hand, if you say, you know what? I said the sinner's prayer back when I was 12 and I'm living any way that I want to live and I have no connection with my father in heaven. I think Jesus is going to say, or God's going to say, depart from me. You did all these things in my name. Depart from me. I never knew you because it's about a relationship. So why, why am I talking about this and finalizing Daniel? We do know that at the end times, there's going to be a great harvest. In other words, there's going to be a great revival. The great revival doesn't happen because all of a sudden, everybody wakes up one day and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Now, in the spiritual realm, we talked about that last week, that I do believe there are battles going on in heaven right now that affect earth. And I believe that why we need to keep praying for people to know Christ is because as we pray, as we talked about last week, not only we're praying to God, but God uses our prayers and asks angels to do battle on our behalf. As we're praying for our family and friends to know Christ, I believe their hearts become more open. But how they know Jesus is by somebody telling them who Jesus is. And I want to stir inside of each one of you this passion to share Jesus with, with somebody this Christmas season. Oh, I don't know if I could do that, Mark. Uh, you found Jesus. Share your story, right? 
share your story. I want you to get a picture to realize to say that, that people who don't know Jesus, when Christ comes back, or if they pass on in this world, and they don't know Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell. It should make you very sobered in thinking of that. Because God has given you the solution. He's put you in your friend's life. He's put you in your family's life. He's put you there. And your job is to share the good news of Jesus. By being salt and light, yes. Being winsome, yes. But how do people have faith? They have faith by hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. There is going to be a continued difficult time. Anything that we read through Daniel to realize that I don't know where you are in the timeline, but I don't see our world getting any better anytime soon. That means people are going to be looking for hope. They're going to be looking for answers. They're going to be looking for someplace there's confidence and peace, and, and they're going to be looking. And are they going to see hope? Are they going to see peace? Are they going to see love in you? And then are they going to experience Jesus and, and have their spirit regenerated to be born again because you're going to share the good news of Jesus with them? Yes. I believe so. I believe so. Well, we concluded the book of Daniel. It's prophetic. It's apocalyptic. It has given us great information. But more importantly, I hope it has changed something inside of you, that the Spirit of God has moved you to realize that he wants to stir you to be a part of the story, this, this story of the timeline. I don't know where we're in, but we're in a time that people are looking for answers. And will you be part of that solution for them by pointing them to Jesus? Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.